Again, for the invitation to participate in what I think is uh, critical and a very timely event uh, for all Australians. Uh, Peter Buxkin um, mentioned in his introductory comments this morning that a lot has been done, but while well, I hope to share with you, there's a lot more that has to be done. Just one thing, is, uh, just to diverge a little bit, is that uh, just to share with you, and I recently shared this with the Deans of Education, I put my hand up at the time ran out in the last session. But Minister Birmingham has recently given two press interviews on the 21st and the 22nd of September. And in those interviews, that he has actually used words like consensus building, collaboration, listening, and even from the point of view of taking things back to Cabinet. And I just think it's important that we actually bear that in mind with regard to this new minister or this new so-called regime. Three years ago, the Matt City report said that increasing the number of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Island teachers was an issue of social justice, social change and social inclusion, meaning it's a complex challenge, a so-called wicked problem with no simple fix. Changes to one area, they might create incremental shifts, but we're really going to actually really improve the quality of Aboriginal and Indigenous education in Australia. We must work on many levels and with many key groups and individuals at once. Raising great teachers takes the will of a country, our educational institutions, our communities and families and, of course, ourselves. The dropping off of the EDGE reports, which measure disadvantage by locations, describes a web of disadvantage in which different types of disadvantage impact and reinforce one another until they add up to more than the sum of the parts. And this year's report looked at all these different areas as indicators of disadvantage. As you can see, it's quite a list of many elements that weave together to create a seemingly unbreakable web. But six of those areas, six of those 20, relate directly to education but all of the others potentially create environments that act as barriers to learning and overall wellbeing. Then if we look at the disadvantage another way, there are three levels of economic and social disadvantage. Firstly, individual, covering housing, income, health, education, employment, services and the support measures, community, culture, community norms, role models, social connections, access to services, peers, school and teacher quality. And thirdly, there will be macro uh, levels covering economic growth, structural change and institutional functioning. So education plays a vital role in every one of these. The dropping off the edge, rep off the edge report says... It's difficult to deny the centrality of limited education and its impact on making and sustaining of disadvantage in Australia. And as Pat Dobson and his fellow researchers say, success does not end at the transition of one student, but rather the changing patterns of the opportunity as more Indigenous students transition successfully, thus creating a critical mass. So I'm here today as a representative from ACDE, which represents all universities and some private institutions that educate our future teachers. We, of course, focus on tertiary education, but we know that education, the educational journey begins at birth 
and that potential successes in tertiary education is inextricably linked to the creation of safe and healthy environments that allow for early years of learning in and outside families, successful completion of primary and secondary school education, adequate pathways to transition from school to further study, measures that support university life, and then finally, the transition from tertiary education into quality teaching careers and lifelong professional learning. Education is probably like an orchestra, and that it's comprised of many different people and sections who each have a part to play, but who also need the team focus, discipline and deep commitment if they are to make the music that's much part greater than the sum of their parts. For some children, the path through education looks reasonably linear and straightforward. But we know that in disadvantaged communities, many other influences make the educational journey more look like this. What the Matt City Project has done to date is provide a number of signposts to help us on this way. We know, for example, that between 2007 to 2012, 68% Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander students left their initial teacher education course. We know that most likely to leave and study at particular walking points, either during the first year of education, when they have their first exposure to university life, when they may feel that they have entered another land and are trying to negotiate a very steep learning away from their consistent, from, their, from the support of their families and communities. Or when assessment is due, or before and after professional experience, practicum, or during the final year of their course. We also know that financial hardships create problems for all teacher education students, but it's cited by almost half of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander students in all disciplines. 44% of all Indigenous students compared to 29% of non-Indigenous students as a key factor in the decision to drop out. Cultural safety also plays its part. It's crucial for students to have others who understand them and without whom it's easy to talk, relax and study. This applies both on campus and off campus during practicums. And while students want to be valued and recognised as an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander, they sometimes experience stigma, racism, ignorance or huge expectations about representing their culture and people. Support, therefore, includes having a safe place away from these situations. Some students identify academic skills as a stumbling block. Reasons for that may vary. For example, it could relate to a lack of opportunity in a student's own schooling, being the first in the family to enter higher levels of education, or the complex transition students must take from the working world or TAFE to the expectations at university. Concerns about academic skills include academic language, a very unfamiliar discipline for some, the level of English literacy and the numeracy required in coursework. Some students speaking English as a third or fourth language. Tertiary level skills like essay writing and, re and referencing are other problem areas. The good news is 
that the identification of the challenges has allowed initial teacher education providers to look more closely at how they can change to better support Indigenous and Torres Strait Islander students with things that we know contribute to success. Things like supporting students through enrolment, providing smooth transition into university life, supporting students culturally, socially, academically and with financial assistance when required, providing flexibility in course progression as many successful students interviewed talked about deferring periods of time, shifting from full-time to part-time study, or re-enrolling after periods of absence, professional development and awareness raising of non-Indigenous staff and faculty, something which Peter Buxkin referred to earlier on. In the decades since 2003, Indigenous higher education enrolments across Australia grew 52%. But the, but the Indigenous portion of the total students' population didn't increase, as there were more students overall. Indigenous tertiary student completion rates still remain, still remain significantly lower than those of their non-Indigenous peers, although this varies between universities. As Professor Ian Anderson of Melbourne University said recently, a significant proportion eventually make it to the end of their degree but too many do not. The social harms of exiting higher education without completion are significant. I want to get on about the TMAG alignment. At this conference, you were focusing on how we can encourage, support and sustain education and ongoing success for more Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander teachers. However, in doing so, we also need to think it's worth considering how that sits in the context of the current teacher education issues stemming from this year's TMAG report that reviewed and made recommendations about the reform of teacher education. The five TMAG implementation priorities which are on the slide there cover selection, improving um, entry arrangements, the issues about data, having good meaningful data on research and workforce planning, impacts on student learning and performance, uh, the demonstration of quality of university training programs and graduates, improving practical experiences, and, and, and there'll be need to probably see more resourcing and funding associated with that. And then, of course, the last issue, the literacy and numeracy test, which um, got a bit of a burden in the, in, the previous, in the previous discussion, and I'll say a bit more about that in a minute. I'm going to touch on a few of these issues, but I'd like to start by looking at the public conversation about Australian teacher education and teaching as a valued profession. We recently, ACDE did, analysed six months' worth of national media education stories online, in print and broadcast. And this chart clearly shows a narrowness of the media focus. Stories about students getting into teacher education with low ATAR scores and the need to introduce numeracy and literary tests, they all take top prize. And as you can see, attracting teachers into um, remote and rural and regional areas and disadvantaged areas falls far behind with other issues than you as educators think are really important, like the role of education in helping lift people out of disadvantage and the importance of education to the health of Australia's social, economic and cultural future. 
positive stories, like this one that appeared on September 23rd, are a rarity. If we want to move to the, from the deficit mentality that focuses on the problems to one that builds on our strengths, then we need to try and get our success stories out there to inspire others. It's about chipping away rather than any profound shift likely in media and public attitudes, but it's important to keep the end goal in mind. We also need to cast the current media obsessions in a different light or reframe them so that national conversations about teaching quality and student learning, be that Indigenous or non-Indigenous, do not assume that we are in crisis mode. We need more teachers in key areas, like Indigenous, remote and rural and other disadvantaged communities, along with those in STEM subjects. But as Australian school student numbers start, the large increase predicted for the next decade, the percentage of teacher education student applications is decreasing. So paint the picture of an education system continually by the media and others perpetually in crisis and is any wonder that we have a situation of why potentially great teachers can't see a reason to board the Titanic when it's allegedly on its way down. There are and will continue to be many challenges but some progress is being made and much more can be done as Peter alluded to this morning. But back to the TMAG and let's start with student selection. As you all saw from our media analysis, those promoting the introduction of minimum ATAR scores for teacher education selection are given a great deal of coverage. It arguments for a minimum ATAR and stories that imply those with low ATARs can never become quality teachers ignore a few salient points. For a start, only one in three teacher education students at most and only one in five Indigenous ITE students is selected solely on the basis of his or her ATAR. So in a bid to get the facts out there and into conversations about ATAR, ACDE recently made this animation and encouraged deans around the country to share it as widely as possible. And I'll just share this with you now. Each year in Australia, almost 80,000 students enrol in 460 initial teacher education courses with 48 education providers. From various conversations, one could think that ATAR scores are the only way new teacher education students are selected. In 2013, only 29.5%, less than one in three domestic undergraduate student teachers, were admitted into initial teacher education courses on the basis of their ATAR score. The remainder come from another higher education course, are non-ATAR students, are mature age with a relevant preparatory background, or are VET award students. Some research suggests that students with high ATAR scores are likely to do better in university courses, but there is no evidence to indicate that high ATAR students make the best teachers. Why? ATAR scores rank high school students who pass Year 12. But the best teachers possess relevant knowledge, skills and personal qualities like empathy and understanding of young people. There are many ways to determine the potential of those wishing to be teachers. These include personal references, prior experience, audition, various types of tests, interviews and past academic results. We need to graduate teachers with an appropriate blend of academic and personal qualities. An ATAR score is only one way to select students for initial teacher education. 
And while academic ability is important, it is only one of the many qualities that make great teachers. get mainstream media to put ATARs in context. We thought we needed to look at other ways to get relevant information and our stories out there. So on average, every person who's seen this animation shared it with 20 others in its very first few days of it going live. The selection of our future teachers is and should be more sophisticated than the blunt ATAR score. But when it comes to Indigenous students, we still want to have enough, have enough data on the large and other category that accounts for more than half of the Indigenous student enrolments in, each, in teacher education. And of course, it's not only ATAR that's an issue, and the new guidelines for teacher education student selection are being drafted. It is vital that the interests of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders, particularly the most disadvantaged in rural and remote areas, are taken into account and that selection procedures adopted, like potential face-to-face -face interviews, do not put these, those in remote areas with weak or non-existent internet at a disadvantage. Just as an aside on that, I was quite surprised that in relation to the first draft on teacher selection, that this whole area was not addressed properly at all in any significant way by Axel. And fortunately, we managed to get some very comprehensive submissions to actually put back on to the agenda about uh, being addressed by Axel. So I thank people for doing that. Selection processes must also heed the, heed to the importance of developing a diverse teacher workforce to address the current imbalance that sees Australia with only one quarter of the, of, of the percentage of Indigenous or Torres Strait Islander teachers needed to reflect the composition of Indigenous and Torres Strait Islander students. Um, school student population. Selection procedures need to account for employment-related teacher education programs in which employers and universities develop partnerships to sponsor employees who undertake teacher education while working. These are very common in the Catholic and independent sector and also used to train and prepare teachers in remote, disadvantaged Indigenous communities. For example, many of the 30 Indigenous teachers who have graduated from the Growing Our Own program, the Northern Territory Catholic Education Office and Charles Darwin University now work in their communities on Bathurst Island in Central Australia and in Arnhem Land. The selection of participants in such programs may not mirror the guidelines recommended in the TMAG report, but it does incorporate attributes like leadership and cultural knowledge, which are valued in Indigenous communities and complement non-Indigenous worldviews and skills. Growing our own focuses on students, getting through a rigorous and challenging course in order to meet graduate standards on course completion. And as had been said many times before, what matters is not so much how students enter their teacher education courses, but how they come out. The Literacy and Numeracy Test. The other TMAG area that I wanted to address covers the proposed numeracy and literacy test, which is now being trialled for introduction next year. It's critical, critical that this test is handled with sensitivity and regard to cultural safety of Indigenous students. The plan is to make it mandatory to pass the test before a student can graduate. But there are many challenges with this because the Commonwealth Government doesn't run universities. There are significant operational imperatives which need to be worked through that relate to cost, incorporating or embedding the test into existing courses, the legal and the authoritative basis for the test, etc. 
the biggest questions in my mind will be, will someone stand in the way of an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander student who meets all the graduating standards but can't complete the test? Is this going to be a barrier that prevents the, the student from teaching in his or her country? Who will be the individual, the individual brave enough to block the graduation of a student who's needed greatly in his or her local community? And will the registration authorities register that teaching, that teacher? Which brings me to retention and course completion. And as mentioned earlier, attrition rates with only a few more than one in three Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander students completing their course are of great concern. Overall, the completion rate of all Indigenous students in higher education is around 47% compared to the non-Indigenous students' rate of 74%. Indigenous students from a low socioeconomic uh, background who are older and studying part-time have the lowest completion rate at around 43%. Tracy Saunders, a New South Wales mother of three, is one successful older student. She wanted to become a teacher so she could give Indigenous kids a better deal. However, there was a career pathway from her job as an Aboriginal education worker. Tracy, who has attended a course that involves two residential weeks of study each semester, will graduate next year. At last year's Matt City at ACD edu Education and Success Day, she described one of the main barriers to teacher Indigenous teacher education, and I'll just share the video. Studying is is at the bottom of a list. There are, there are more important things. There's there's making sure that your family's right, that your kids are right, um, that everything's okay in the community. And unfortunately, study for yourself is sometimes I guess, seen as a selfish move. And because it's a very much a self thing, even though it's an investment in, back into your community, at the time it sometimes feels selfish. I think that's one of the biggest hurdles. And, and uni's a scary place, and, and not many blackfellas have had exposure to uni, so we don't actually know what it's about. It's actually not that scary. Um, it's kind of like high school, but for grown-ups, and it's, it's a bit of fun too. <laughs> Tracy says the financial and logistic support she received, along with the camaraderie, has to had that she had developed with her classmates has made study possible. So where do we go from here? ACDE and Matt City continue to have a very positive partnership on two, on two projects, respect, relationships and reconciliation and engagement and success. Both projects support faculties and schools of education to focus on and engage with Matt City's goals. Matt City has strongly endorsed ACDE's plan, appointment, of an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander People's Education Representative to the ACD Board and Torres Strait Islander People's Education Advisory Committee, things that were mentioned by Peter this morning. And I expect that they'll be endorsed at the ACDE AGM on the 22nd of October. To finish, I just thought I would share this short video which features a few of the students from last year's Engagement and Success Forum explaining why they want to be teachers. A lot of things will be discussed over the next couple of days, so it never hurts to remind us of what inspires the Indigenous educators of the future. I was the first one to finish high school, so in our family. Um, so my dad's always said to us that education's a really important thing um, and if you've got the education it's your responsibility to pass that down. Growing up I had a good relationship with the teachers at my school and I guess I want to give that to students as well, like a positive, you know, fun learning environment, um, that they have that positive experience that lives with them, I guess, for the rest of their life. And I want to be a leader. I want, I want to show them that, well, if I can do it, you can. I know that there's a long way to go for Indigenous um, like indigenous education and 
uh, in the long term, I want to be a front runner for that, um, trying to um, just bring forward Indigenous education and making it more prominent and um, making it known that it's, it's, it's very important as Australians that we acknowledge what, um, what happened in the past and that we move forward as a, as a growing culture together.